all of a sudden the product should sell itself the whole company needs to focus on one part of the funnel at once like you can't focus on all of the hello and a big welcome to hot sauce where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce together with brilliant guests are you also curious about fast-grown companies and the people behind them Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right, Per, warm welcome. Thank you. So uh, tell the listeners, which company are you at and uh, what is your role? Sure. Yeah, my name is Per Klingweld. I am head of growth at a B2B SaaS startup called Zapify. And we operate within the field of lead generation, demand generation, and prospecting. So sales technology, essentially. And uh, like, what kind of problems do you solve for, for the end user? The problem we solve for the end user is finding and getting in touch with the right type of potential clients out there. So by enabling them to... Um, both do their research on their ideal customer out there and, and find them and find their contact details and, and put them into campaigns where they do the outreach part of things uh, and then having that automated for them as well to the extent that they would like. So uh, kind of all-in-one platform, a tool a tool that solves the, the scattered world of, of, of prospecting, sales prospecting and uh, gets warm, warm conversations started for them. Mm. And it's also a bit of like cloning your sales reps, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, in the future, I think there will be uh, two types of, of, of sales reps. Um, it's those that work with large enterprise accounts where the relationship is more like a wine and dine type of relationship. Um, and they will need a type, type of assistant um, managing things for them or helping them yeah. out in building a fruitful relationship. While in other cases, I believe tools like Zapify will completely replace the sales rep, especially in those cases where where the uh, where it's more like an SDR type of, of position. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, considering that, because now we're talking about like replacing sales reps, would you say that you are uh, focusing on the SMB segment as of now, or what's your niche? Yeah, we're focusing on the SMB segment uh, mainly. One to two hundred employees, I would say, a, a, bit, a little bit depending on on industry. Cool. And tell me about your journey because you started at Zapify quite early, right? Yeah, I joined. I joined the company. I remember having my first launch with one of the two founders when the company was one month old back in November 2020. They had been running it kind of like a hobby project or a side project, uh, building out the first prototype of the product. And then I, enjoy, I joined the board um, spring of 2021. And later that year, I, I became uh, CEO, took over the CEO role of, of one of the founders, from one of the founders. Mm. So been with the company since and just stepped down 
recently from the CEO position to focus only on growth. Awesome. What a journey. And uh, one of the things that I know you've been doing is uh, doing a bit of a shift from sales-led into like product-led and the launching on um, Product Hunt, for example. Do you care to tell a bit about that switch from sales to product? Yeah, sure. It's been quite quite the journey. But it all started with, it all started spring of 2022 when the cost of capital basically increased drastically. Before that, we, um, we, we, uh, our strategy was to basically take our sales team where we start off with junior sales reps that we train in our own way and groom to sales amplify in the way that we, we wanted, uh, that we believed in. Uh, our, our intent was kind of to move that up market to larger and larger accounts. And that was going all fine. Like we, we truly had a sales machinery where we were booking or carrying out consistently 200 demos per month, essentially. Mm. So it was working like, like a clockwork. So we were, we were planning on doing that and alongside introducing uh, a free plan that would enable people who, ordinary salespeople or startups to, to, to start using Zapplify at a smaller scale and growing from there. However, though, you know, capital being expensive all of a sudden compared to what it was before, we had to choose a path. So we chose the path that we felt were, was closest to our mission, which is to help the SMBs out there, um, the entrepreneurs, uh, the small companies of the world, and the individual sales rep while, while being mm-hmm. at it. So we basically gave an ultimatum or an offer to... To, to the to the sales team that we had um, if they wanted to to tag along in this transition or if they wanted to 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 look for their next opportunity and mm. bit by bit um, most of them chose to look for a new opportunity which meant that uh, yeah we we had to basically build a new go to market organization from from scratch um, mm. so so that's what happened all wow. of this happened during q Q1, Q2 of, of 2022. Um, and we launched mm. a free free product, a free plan in June, just before Swedish midsummer. Mm. Well, yeah, it's a, a, a bit of a bumpy month back and forth and pivoting and restructuring and go to market and so on. But uh, really, really cool. And uh, uh, on the topic of free, because I want to talk more about the PLG motion and, and so on going forward, but... Have you seen the results that you expected or wanted from free or do you think it's going to come later or like how have you evaluated that project so far? A very good question. I mean, none of us had really done uh, the, the PLG journey before. So we had to start with benchmark data. And one of those key metrics is um, that approximately 3% of all your free accounts that you get on board convert to paid accounts. And mm. that way been we've been able to, to maintain and actually stay above almost double that uh, throughout fall. So that's a good, good starting point. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, we had a benchmark for how much is a free account worth pay, like how much is it worth paying to acquire a free account. And uh, the benchmark there was 50 euros basically based on uh, our industry, the lead gen uh, prospecting industry, and uh, Google Ads, you could say, in brief. So those were the mm. two starting points. Okay, three percent of all of all free accounts convert to paid, and uh, a, a free account 
the, the benchmark for that is 50 euros required that. So, so basically, in short, so far, considering the almost non-existent PLG experience, it's quite a successful story. Yeah, I mean, in short, we've been able to to sixfold the user base, uh, growing it from approximately um, 400 active uh, companies using our platform, 400 uh, clients, hmm. to 3,000 right now, basically. Wow, and the, how much would you say that that is uh, that is thanks to the free version? Because I know that you also launched uh, the product on Product Hunt, and that was a quite uh, like thorough project that you did. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Uh, the goal was to to reach and maintain a, a find a way to reach and maintain um, velocity of of five hundred new companies joining the Zapify platform per month. So that was kind of the, mm. the goal for me to reach as, as head of growth. And we had different strategies, or I, I had a few different strategies to do so. I divided them into to three. One was uh, kind of like a short-term strategy, short-term effect, mid-term effect, and then long-term effect. So for the short-term mm. effect, the assumption was that we threw niche newsletters and sales influencers, uh, mainly on LinkedIn, would be able to, through paying upfront, basically acquire uh, users and build ourselves a brand. The midterm strategy was what I just referred to as content creation. So more like SEO and um, um, pay-per-click, essentially. Um, the trad more traditional channels where there's a lot of best practice. And the long-term strategy was building our own affiliate program you, you could call it uh, where we the assumption was that we could use our own platform and our own database um, to acquire new users we call it the ai ambassador program so mm. yeah and and the combination of we we were working on all those three at once but started off with a short-term and long-term uh, strategy as the the short-term one would give effect straight away which we needed and the long-term one uh, takes time to build, so you just had to get started with it. And we knew that mm. the, the, the midterm one you can just buy buy expert experts to read up on on your own, and it will work. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that 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 had to set us. We set that aside, uh, set that on the shelf for a while before we got started. Um, ah, but that makes a lot of sense to start with the yeah short term and then long term at the at the same time because then you can like get up to speed with long term simultaneously when you're about to launch the midterm, perhaps. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, mm. We just started actually. And, uh, we just started the midterm now um, in end, end of November. So we'd had to wait for six months basically before we even started looking at that more carefully. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, launching on the Product Hunt, uh, I was uh, getting some of the emails, notifications, and like seeing the, the whole machinery behind. Can you maybe share a couple of learnings? What did you learn from that uh, initiative? What went well and what didn't? Yeah, so we knew we wanted to launch on a platform like Product Hunt. There, there is another platform called AppSumo that we decided to not launch on, where you basically give um, 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 to, to be true offer to their to their user base or, or followers, um, and we didn't want to devalue 
uh, our product in that way. So we said, okay, then the option is to go for for product hunt, basically. And the reason, and, you, and just a question, because yeah, is it because that AppSumo is for like lifetime offers, right? Exactly. So if if you the only way to go live on a platform like AppSumo is that you give a lifetime discount. Um, mm, right. And uh, sure, that, that can be good for certain types of products. But since we were a premium product with a, well, with a quite well-functioning uh, platform behind, it didn't really make sense to us. Plus that we didn't know, yeah. in all essence, we didn't know how well it would scale in, in a self-service type of manner. So if we would get all these users on board, what type of effect would that lead to? That was hard to judge. So we decided to put the effort into product hunting instead, where you basically have the product nerds of the world world unite. And um, mm-hmm. it's a place where people discover new products, especially people in the US, I would say, a market that we hadn't explored explored much before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, we set out, we started talking to... The way we did it was that we started talking to... Um, an expert you could call call that guy who lives in Uppsala who was one mm. of the early so-called hunters. So he was, back in the days, the founder was in touch with a group of people that he recruited as uh, found, um, hunters. And if you get a hunter to, to publish for you, uh, that's a good starting point, basically. So we did a few calls with, with him. His name is Jason Dainter, great guy, based in Uppsala in Sweden, from UK originally. And uh, mm. then we started kind of drafting the strategy for how we would do this our way. Um, and we started about two months before launch. We launched on October 23rd, if I remember correctly. And we started looking at this around yeah, mid-August, end of August. Started, completely started. Well, well, no, we we did the first first meeting with Jason um, sometime around mid mid August. The preparations mm. for Product Hunt um, more intensely started about a month prior. That's when we launched our um, Product Hunt coming soon page, uh, which is a new feature okay. of Product mm. Hunt. That if I would redo it, I would I would have. You know, collected a lot more. I would have been driving a lot more traffic to to that page, but it was new even to Jason, so he didn't know either how to handle that the best best way. Um, we we got maybe mm. three hundred people to sign up to get notified ahead of time, while I see some other products getting three thousand people getting notified uh, on the day of launch automatically through the Python platform through those pages. Ah, okay. But was there some sort of uh, cap that you cannot? put up the coming soon page until a specific time time frame before or uh, yeah, is yeah. that possible to do like six months ahead uh, one month before one month okay yeah. mm. Um, mm. so so that's that's kind of like a new a new feature and of course the interest from from Pride hunt uh, why they're doing this is to drive more users to their own platform so you need to sign up for product hunt to be able to hit notify me and get a notification um, so uh, that, that's that's how it works in all essence. And then we started looking at okay, I read a few guides. I talked to the people at Hypertype, who had also launched quite successfully on the Swedish um, AI startup, uh, helping you mm-hmm. compose uh, emails faster and with higher quality based on 
everything you've written in your inbox and um, everything you have in your drive or OneDrive, basically. So I talked to them yeah. briefly, got some pointers, and I think the main takeaway there was a few things. One of them was you need to get a group of people that go in and give a review um, ASAP, like when you launch. Uh, you need a, a group of dedicated yeah. people, preferably friends or customers, that go in and give a review and write a comment and, and engage in conversations as soon as you launch. The other thing is to be ready to work around the clock, like follow the time zones on the world for 24 hours. <laughs> and yeah, I was working 20 nice. hours straight, <laughs> basically, uh, during the product launch. Yeah. So those two things were the main uh, takeaways. And from Jason, the main takeaways were, were uh, okay, having a hunt, hunter kind of launch it, um, how to write the texts, how the commenting functions and features were working. I mean, just learning what is Product mm. Hunt and how, how should I approach this, basically. Mm. To like a create, uh, create a, an interactive dialogue in the comment section, on, not just like a one, ten, one sentence comment, but more engaging, right? Yeah, exactly. You want to, for example, our team, we staffed up with uh, first one and then two people sitting there uh, constantly replying to comments. And if I would have read down that, I would have built a, a, a GPT. It was didn't exist then in the sense it does today. I would have built like a Gen AI that was customized just to help us write answers to those comments in our way with our tonality based on how we want to structure yeah. them. Because you want to answer so that the person who comments feels seen, but you immediately want to ask a question <clears throat> and trigger a response from them. And you only have right. them on your page for like, 30 seconds to five minutes, right? So you need that reply yeah. ultimately to come out in 20 to 30 seconds. Mm. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> to, for them to engage in dialogue, kind of like a chat. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tight, uh, tight deadline. Yeah, and, and that's crucial. And then I also realized, and this was kind of on, on my own, realizing that you need, or Jason was telling me as well, that there's different weight to the different product hunt profiles. So, mm -hmm. and, and different badges that people can have. So no one knows exactly how that plays in, but the guess is that, that uh, it has different weight in terms of um, the value of a person commenting or liking or upvoting, basically. Um, so I started trying to figure that out and that I did in real time. And then I basically... Uh, I looked at people who seemed had commented on similar products that seemed influential, that had been on Product Hunt for a long time, had a lot of followers, and then I uh, scraped all their followers, <laughs> and then I uh -huh. looked at who of their followers <laughs> have engaged in the most launches and uh, has the most followers uh, uh, on their end, and then I. Mm. I found their, those, their email addresses and I built an email campaign, essentially a very personal, uh, using all the psychology I knew, uh, keeping it extremely through short. Through Saplify, of course. Uh, yeah, exactly. I sent it through, through Saplify to enable, yeah, to ask them for an upvote because I knew my assumption was that an upvote from them during the launch, the, the 24 hour launch would make a big difference. And I think it did at the end of the day. Uh, we had another, we ended up being second. And the third one mm. had about 20% more votes than we did. So sometime midday after these kind of more heavyweight upvotes started coming in, 
we bypassed uh, the one who was in the second place. And we didn't understand why, because we didn't have more upvotes. So that has to do yeah. with the quality <laughs> of... of uh, the, of the, the people launch. voting, yeah. Yeah, and the amount of comments, mm. and I guess, I, I don't know, no one really knows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a, a mystery in itself, but uh, really cool. And I think that's uh, a lot of good takeaways from, from that uh, launch and that journey. Um, and I mean, uh, would you say that Upsumo and uh, Product Hunt were the two that you were evaluating, but Upsumo you didn't choose because you felt that your product was mature enough and you didn't want to devalue it, so then you went with Product Hunt, basically, and partly US as well. Exactly. Uh, first thing is that, that we weren't sure how how good our self service would scale. It was completely new to us that that whole whole thing. And um, uh, second part is that we didn't want to devalue the the product. Yeah, it's not it's mm. not that Absum is a bad platform. It's it's great. It, it, it's just it just wasn't for for us since we yeah no uh, we were a, a, <clears throat> a premium platform from before and and and. and and where it's used to self-service. Hmm. Oh, makes a lot of sense. Cool. Thanks for, for sharing. And uh, I think we're going to pause the product hunt discussion a bit and move into a segment called the quick ones. Yep. So I'm going to shoot some uh, quick questions and I want some quick answers. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Favorite tool in your revenue tech stack? <laughs> Subify, of course. You can't. I, okay. <laughs> you have to say a second one then. Okay, my revenue tech stack. Yeah, I would go back to the simplicity of uh, yet another mail merge. Then, actually, uh, if you if you have tried that, it's not specifically a revenue uh, tech stack tool, mm-hmm. but but it enables you to work with with spreadsheets and uh, mass emailing in a fully controlled manner. So it's a good okay. it's a good um, mm-hmm. uh, co- complement to to Subify. That's us. Cool. And uh, how many steps are in your sales process at Simplify? Good question. As I said, we we used to have like a machinery, uh, but right now it's basically two steps. Free or paid? <laughs> two, yeah, it's it's free. <laughs> it's free or paid, but it's acquire the user, so make them sign up, basically, um, and, yeah. and then activate them. And that will lead to, so so get them to use the product. Yeah, so those two two steps I would say are in are in the actual sales process. And then there, there's of course upselling, but that that comes later. Mm. Mm. All right. And uh, one thing that you use uh, ChatGPT for? I use ChatGPT for a lot of things, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, we ran a. Um, user interviews through an AI tool called Merlin AI run by a Swedish guy called Alfred Krekai uh, over in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And we got about 90 responses. Um, this AI user interviewer did. And that all was presented kind of like in a spreadsheet format. And while they were building out you know, their own dashboard to show us their results, just halfway through, I just copy-pasted all that data, pulled it into ChatGPT, and got like an insane report, I would say. Like, it took me an hour, but this type of work, I, mean, I think we saved 95% of the time that this would have taken otherwise. Truly. Well, yeah. So you didn't need the dashboard afterwards. The dashboard is valuable as well, but of course it was valuable for them to see, um, uh, yeah, compare basically to what, what I did with ChatGPT. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm, cool. And uh, best advice for younger people listening if they want to pursue a career in SaaS? It's a learning journey. Nothing is set in stone. Everything is moving. So be eager to learn and develop yourself and grow with your role and with the industry. And uh, one favorite, uh, maybe book or movie or series that you feel is like, yeah, this is a really solid recommendation. I love this. Oh, what's it? What's it called? <laughs> I forget. Forget the name of it. But in terms of sales, when we built kind of this, the sales machinery at at Zapify, uh, I listened to the uh, the book of uh, the commercial Salesforce founder, um, and it was so good that I listened to it twice. I, don't, I, I can't recall hmm. the name of it now, though. That's how good it was. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, clearly. But uh, find that book right. and and, uh, and read it. It was uh, it was it was really good. Nice. And uh, lastly, if um, you were to say uh, or mention one of your favorite routines that you do regularly, either daily, weekly, monthly, what is it and why? Yeah, I'm not that big of a routines guy believe it or not <laughs> uh, okay but uh, I would say stop and reflect analyze the results try to understand why things are what they are and then set out new metric based goals from there and uh, I would say don't don't set end goals set velocity goals and figure out how to reach that velocity because a lot of this world today is, is not about reaching an end goal. It's about getting to a certain speed and maintaining that speed so that you have steering power, that you can steer wherever you want to go. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. I like that one. That's good. All right, cool. Let's move out from the quick ones and move into the topic of PLG. Uh, because, I mean, you have a free version, right? And you're moving more towards the PLG. Or would you say that you are like 100% product-led at the moment? Mm, it's a transition. <laughs> okay. And how far have you come like into that? Are you almost done or have you just started according PLG to PLG compared to sales-led, it, it's a long journey. And if you would take the, mm. the third type, which has emerged quite recently, at least here in Europe, uh, called community-led growth, um, that's an even longer journey. So, you know, just being half a year into this or a little more than half a year, I would say that we've just got it started. Mm. And uh, if you have, uh, let's say, a, a sales manager or a product manager or a CEO out there who wants to move, do, and, do this transition, how would you say that they can find a good balance? Because I think it's going to be at some point, a bit of a conflict, right, between sales and products. How do you start and like push it into the right direction? Yeah, I think that's the biggest biggest challenge when you when you transition. It's the the shift of behavior and culture in the company that that you're a part of. And if you're the CEO or the main responsible, the founder or CEO of of, of a company entering into a transition from sales led to product led, the most important thing to understand is that the, all of a sudden the product should sell itself. Like you shouldn't sell the product, the product should sell itself. So how do you enable that? And how do you build a culture that enables that? And the new CEO that stepped in, it was our chairman before, and uh, he brought some experience uh, 
from similar journeys before, both having built, I think, product on from, from scratch, but but also having built sales-led organizations. And what he did is that he we removed all recurring meetings, basically, and we started doing a, a bi-weekly uh, product demo. So the new all-company meeting was like a product demo where... 30 out of 45 minutes is spent by the product team, like developers themselves um, and the product team demoing uh, what's going on right now in terms of development. Um, and what this is meant mm-hmm. to lead to, of course, is that the whole organization starts to think about, okay, what can we do in the product and what can we do in the, the user journey uh, in and out of app, as it's called. Out of app is typically emails mostly. Um, uh, in some cases, other stuff as well, but mostly, mostly emails. And in-app is uh, how the product is designed, how the user journey is designed. What can we do in and out of app um, that kind of helps the user uh, get started with the product and get value from the product as soon as possible? And, and that's a question that we hadn't asked ourselves in the same way before. As we, When you have a sales-led motion, you basically have a handover from, from the account executive to, to the customer success manager, right? Uh, so as long as that's a smooth handover, mm. things will play out well. It's just that it's very time-consuming compared to uh, you can't manage uh, an unlimited amount of accounts. Uh, so that's that's the biggest difference, I would I would say. So yeah, we we started doing a, a product demo on every second Friday, and um, uh, that was the new all-company meeting. Cool. Uh, what what uh, you said it was partly owned by product and also like engineering, but. What was the theme of the demos? Is it now we're gonna demo a random flow here, or like how do you start digging into the product? So, so to say. So before we, the way we were, we were working with product development is that we had a product designer designing, um, you know, out screens and and uh, mockups, etc., and then that was bounced back and forth between uh, the CTO back then and then uh, kind of like a product manager. Um, so there's like a mini product team, two, three mm. people. And then once they were had done their research and were happy with it, they kind of moved it over to the tech team who developed it and then launched it to staging for a quality assurance. And then from uh, once it had been quality assured, then it was, lo- was launched to production. And uh, seldom mm. we were even notified in the rest of the organization uh, what type of features were being developed, where we, they would arrive, and what they would look like. So what you do here is that you shortcut it. So we've changed our whole development process. Now we push to production, meaning we, 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 we uh, push new versions of our, our, our platform like twice per day. Before it was once every second mm. to fourth week that had been rigorously tested uh, you know, before you push it live. So we moved to speed of iteration and, and speed mm. of innovation um, and rebuilt our whole infrastructure, I would say, to be able to manage that in a way where you can still grow with 500 new companies uh, as customers per month. Yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. I mean, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense, right? You need to have a very tight feedback loop in order to be product led because then you can catch things earlier and i mean then you need to have the infrastructure in place to be able to do those uh deploys to production quickly otherwise it's just gonna yeah exactly fall short. and to be able to, to risk manage that in a sense uh, but what we wanted to enable and, and what we you know were able to do by q4 last year so about i'd say half a year after we started this more seriously like this product and tech shift um cultural shift 
is that mm. now we're running experiments on a weekly basis in three parallel paths. So we run um, tech experiments, you could call it, like from the technology perspective, what's possible with the new technology out there today, like generative AI, for example, um, and all the new services and APIs mm. that, that have emerged uh, just over the past few months and, and year. And uh, so that's from the technology perspective. And then we experiment from the product perspective. So the, this you could call like the, the user journey in product. And then we experiment out of product. Uh, so with messaging, timings, um, event-driven notifications, etc. Um, and all these, these three paths are managed yeah. by three different owners. But they should be able to operate with weekly experiments where you see the results on a weekly basis, which is why my goal as head of growth is to get a cohort of at least 100 new clients per week currently. Not more, not less. Uh, that's a good cohort mm-hmm. to be able to see the uh, um, impact of, of uh, changes uh, that we uh, run experiments for. Mm. And what kind of uh, KPIs, for example, would you measure in that sense? Let's say that you are evaluating these three. What are you looking at in that uh, 100 cohort? Um Yeah, it's, it's the typical pirate funnel, <laughs> um, which is, I guess, a, a, a big yeah. shift compared to how, how, you, how you do sales-led typically. Um, and um, yeah, first, okay, how easy is it to, what's the cost of acquiring a new, a new company, a, a new user? Um, and then secondly, you know, the cost of activating and then the cost of converting to paid. We call it cost. It can be in money. It can be in time. It can be in effort. Um, you want to drive down the, all those three as close as possible to zero. Um, so right now, for example, we that's also a thing for for a CEO uh, or, or founder leading this type of transition that we the whole company needs to focus on one part of the funnel at once. Like you can't focus on all of the funnel at the same time when you do a transition. So we obviously started off with acquisition. How can we? drive down the friction, reduce the friction of signing up and get, uh, and you know creating your account and getting into the product. Um, we did that during Q3 last year. And then the next focus was, okay, how do we activate our users? Uh, our goal was to get them to start their first campaign, as we call it, but basically start doing outreach in our product um, and have an automatic uh, campaign running for them within the first seven days of signing up. So our goal was to reach thirty uh, percent uh, before end of Q Q4, which we almost got to, I would say. Um, and then the next focus is okay: how do we convert them? How do we basically bring this to to revenue? Which will be our focus for for Q1 uh, this year. So you, you shift like the whole company needs to focus on one part of the funnel at once uh, when it comes to uh, you know acquire, activate, uh, and then retain. And then the last step would be something like referral, which we initially thought would be kind of integrated with with acquisition. At least from my perspective, I wanted people to start preferring, of course, immediately. So we built that out quite quickly. But like invite your team. Exactly. Which we have. And it gives a certain, it probably mm. dub, you know, doubles the amount of users signing up uh, per new account coming in. And so that was mm. all good in that sense. But the real type of referral power uh, you either need by having a, crazy smart launch strategy uh, when you build a product from from scratch, like Dropbox had, for example, or Slack, uh, in the way they build things yeah. from, from the very get-go. Or you need to do these other things before because then you will have reached a point where referrals will start coming automatically. So 
we actually saw now when we did this uh, user interview study that at least of the out of the people that that replied about 30 percent almost had signed up for Shopify based on a recommendation so that's a very good indicator right that we're getting there but um we're not seeing it in the quantitative numbers yet mm. so it will come you just have to move the organization from from one one part of the file to the next and be patient and focused stay focused mm. Wow, that's uh, really good advice. And I think uh, definitely, as you said, focus on one part of the funnel per, let's say, quarter, because it's impossible to do everything all at once. And also, if you want to evaluate and understand what went good and what didn't, you need to focus on one part, because otherwise you won't know what actually worked and what didn't. Exactly. Really good insights. Um, lastly, uh, I want to talk a bit about going forward, like a PLG AI free version. It feels like most products out there have some sort of free offering in the SMB segment. What is your take on product-led growth, AI, freemium, and so on going forward? What do you think we'll see more of, less of? Yeah, very good question. I think, first of all, people will start questioning the software as a service uh, when it comes to subscriptions. So, um, you know, it, it, it subscriptions, the way they've structured, they're structured today, where you pay a certain amount of money per month, is that the future? I don't think so. Um, in the US, we have seen over the past mm-hmm. few years, and, and especially the last year, we've seen the business models of the cloud providers um, move into the space of AI, and now also move into other parts of, of, of software as a service. And that's based on credit systems, basically. So you have your own internal currency, you could call it, and uh, you buy that currency uh, with cash, <laughs> and then you convert that to value um, or, mm. um, yeah, uh, getting value from, from the service, essentially. So um, so we're talking like a credit system value-based yeah, instead of exactly. a fixed monthly fee. That's uh, that's on, on the business model side. Mm. And then I think we're discussing this a lot now, like because our space has obviously become, you know, 100 times more crowded. <laughs> it's like truly a red ocean uh, since ChatGPT and generative, uh, generative yeah. AI was launched because any hacker or kind of tech savvy sales growth marketing person out there could hack together something that's a lot cheaper than all services out there today. Um, but of course, it, it requires monitoring. It's a bit clunky, but anyone could do it in, in practice. And that will just become easier and easier. So the question is, what is the software of the future? Um, that is a question we started to ask ourselves. And if you go back in time and you look at all the software that, that's out there today, it's basically built, built on buttons and tables. And that all started with Salesforce going cloud, <laughs> leaving on-premise and going cloud. But mm. Why? Why should we, you know, the new, the new type of software, um, you know, in, in general, people believe they will move towards voice as the interface. Voice doesn't have any tables or buttons, right? So, and there will, of course, be in between steps, but chat doesn't have tables and hardly buttons either. You write text and you hit enter, or you use uh, voice to transcript and you hit enter. So I believe that of course, the B2B software is kind of lagging behind or it's a few years behind B2C software, but we see how that gap is getting smaller and smaller. And if you look at how the consumer apps are designed today, first of all, they're tools. And many of them are mobile tools. Um, and second of all, they don't have any tables or buttons. 
So I think B2B software will move more and more towards, or not just I, this is the founders of Saplify as well, thinking that, you know, putting out a new type of vision we're looking for, okay, what, mm. what is the software of the future and how can we already now start building that software? Um, so stay tuned on, 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 on Saplify because a lot of exciting stuff will, will happen during the spring of 2024 and fall of 2024. Ah, that's uh, an interesting take, and uh, I feel that uh, maybe we are actually moving into a new era of uh, less buttons and tables. So I think that's going to be exciting to to follow. Me too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, I'm going to summarize with three of my takeaways, and I think it was uh, difficult to <laughs> narrow it down to three. But uh, one thing, if you want to move to a product-led motion or growth strategy, I think uh, definitely introducing the bi-weekly product demos and letting the product-slash-engineering team own those and also be able to do the quick deploys. That's going to help you tighten up the loop and find a clearer product focus, basically. Another thing is to set goals on velocity, not the end goal itself. I like that a lot. And uh, definitely also when doing these experiments, focus on one part of the funnel at a time and limit it to a specific time frame in order to actually evaluate. But uh, once again, a lot of good uh, talks, and especially if you want to check out more about the product hunt stuff, because you wrote a guide, right? Yeah, together with Jason, I, I wrote a guide on uh, the exact steps we launched uh, took to launch a product hunt and become... And number two product of the day, four of the week, and number one marketing product of the month. And um, yeah, I, I just gave that out yeah. to Jason. Allowed me to give it out to the first hundred that commented on on a LinkedIn post that I put out there. But um, if you tell me you listen to this podcast, I'm, I'm happy to share it with you as well. I'm sure I could get Jason to agree to that. Um, it 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 it's the kind of exact step by steps. It's the templates we used or wrote. It's um, it's everything uh, you need. We have an in, basically. Awesome. Cool. Uh, last question to you, Per. Do you have any advice on uh, people for me to invite to this podcast? That's a good question to ask. <laughs> um... Yeah. What about this Jason guy, then? Yeah, Jason is a, he's a fun guy. Um, why not? Why yeah. not? I mean, he, uh, I'm not sure if he's built a niche or like a sauce company recently but he's definitely moving in that direction and has been like a centerpiece of, of the startup community here in, in Sweden uh, over the past past years hmm. yeah sounds uh, like a great fit well thank you Per uh, so much for joining and uh, talking about the PLG the AI and the um, future of, of this I think it's going to be really exciting to follow both you and uh, Zaplify on that journey so uh, uh, yeah all the best of luck to you guys and uh, take care. Thank you, Max. Right back at you. Stay hot. <laughs> hot sauce. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I'm hitting the phones. One call closed. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There, you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upvote what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious friends co-worker or that random person in your linkedin feed last but not least leave a rating if you enjoyed it while we're at it add me on linkedin to see short video clips from the podcast and 
Enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wanna witch my prospects. That's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wanna witch my prospects. That's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone.